Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Formula One is back, properly back, and Max Verstappen topped the timesheets in free practice too, followed by the Ferraris, although Mercedes were fourth with George Russell, it may not be the full picture. It never is till we actually, I guess, we get to quali. However, we are joined today uh, by Jonathan Noble, and it's good to have you back, John, on the podcast. First time this year, I think, isn't it? Um, I think so. Everything's been a bl- bit blurry. Last year I finished so late, and obviously <laughs> yes. the Abu Dhabi st- still people are talking about every single day. So it's like last year hasn't finished. So um, and it's been a quite manic few weeks with the tests, two tests, uh, and now we're fi- finally, finally, finally on the verge tomorrow of seeing what these cars can properly do and who really is quickest. Tell our listeners what it's like for you to be back in the paddock. I missed a lot of the COVID races just because I didn't particularly see the point of flying to these places, going through all the the hassle to then sit in a media centre to speak to people on a computer screen when you can do that at home just as well with the same coverage and timing screens and everything. But it started opening up a bit more last year. So I went to the final two last year in Saudi and Abu Dhabi. Paddock was kind of halfway back to normality. Still a lot of stuff done on Zoom. Uh, You could speak to people a bit more freely in the paddock. There are a few little restrictions. But this weekend, 90% back to normal. 
but compared to what normal life is like, you know, there is a, there is a new normal of a bit of social distancing and hand washing and masks and being cautious. It's as normal as you could expect Formula One to be right now. I think media sessions with drivers face to face, speaking to team principals on and off record, little briefings, little huddles, um, media dinners, kind of the gossip and the shenanigans and, you know, the paddock whispers and all the sort of stuff that makes Formula One so great. It's all back. And I think we're, we're now as normal as it can be. I think it's fine. I don't think people from the outside will notice any difference from kind of the, the to, to the pre-COVID times of covering Formula One. We'll just we'll get into obviously what happened today in a moment. But just for our listeners, tell us what it's like for you as part of the Formula One, uh, you know, travelling gang, but also for the teams as well. So no Thursday because Thursday used to be called either officially or unofficially media day. You'd get to speak to some drivers, but then COVID happened and it all went virtual and you actually got to speak to all of the drivers via Zoom. And now they've gone back and it's this kind of hybrid. You do get the drivers, but also they're still doing on a Friday, Saturday driver and team boss sessions on the Zoom calls. So Thursdays, you're not allowed at the circuit. So all of your work gets put into Friday. You, Johnny Noble doesn't get to do less work and the teams don't get to do less work. They still have to be there setting up the garages. So is this shorter weekend working out? Well, we were there on Thursdays. I discussed with someone today. We, we were basically trying to work out who's benefited from this new timetable because we couldn't think of one single person who comes out of this really any better. They wanted to cut back on a day. So they kind of shunted practice later and tried to clear Thursdays a bit. Um then crammed the drivers' press conferences in in the morning, which is when they're kind of the most useless they can be because you're speaking to drivers, you know, an hour before they're back out in the car and the whole whole story's changed. Here on Thursday, everyone was at the track. It was like a normal Thursday. Ferrari were the only team to put their drivers up, so we spoke to Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc yesterday. Everyone else who would normally be in the track on a Thursday was in, in the track. So it was kind of this quiet Thursday. And then today's just been completely manic where you do all your Thursday work on Friday morning then have the sessions then have the post-session yeah. post-session um, kind of interviews and stuff so it's just been this ridiculous 15 hour day or 15 hour day or something and I can't particularly see it lasting because you know while the drivers came to the track today for a press conference at uh, 11.30 it started when we get get to Europe these press conferences are going to have to be at half eight in the morning I cannot imagine for a second that media delegates and communications chiefs of the teams will speak to their drivers on Thursday and say, oh, by the way, we need you to get up at seven o'clock tomorrow, please, to come to the track uh, to speak to journalists at eight o'clock in the morning, please. It's not going to happen. So I'm, I am pretty convinced it's going to change. We'll probably go back to a more normal Thursday where drivers speak to us on individual sessions, which was much better in the old days anyway, because speaking to one driver for 10 minutes you know, much more detail, interesting stories, little snippets, personality. You can have a laugh, you know, build up the relationships and understand the drivers rather than these structured press conferences with the formality of microphones and lots of drivers sat there. So, you know, if you're, you're a driver who's sat alongside Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, half an hour of your life is wasted just sat there listening to journalists asking other drivers questions. It's just doesn't particularly make much sense, really. So I can sense it'll change. And I think if F1 had truly wanted to go down the shorter weekend route, which it couldn't do because the race promoters need the extra days for ticket sales, then you would have just put practice on Saturday morning, qualifying on Saturday afternoon, race on Sunday. 
that's the way you get down to a, a three-day weekend, not this kind of halfway house at the moment, which doesn't suit anybody. Wow. OK, well, let's get on to what happened today in free practice two, because that's when the fuel came out and the soft tyres went on. And then, of course... That was around halfway, around the half-hour mark, and then the fuel goes back in, and then we get to learn even more as well on the long runs. But uh, Max Verstappen uh, topped the timesheets only just, though, narrowly beating Charles Leclerc at uh, 131.936, and it was a 132.023, so uh, nine thousandth of a second, nine hundredth of a second, sorry, uh, behind was Charles Leclerc. And then Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, a bit of a way back, actually, but again, just a really small margin between him and George Russell in the Mercedes. So... As we start to just start to work out the competitive order going into qualifying, and again, we still don't know until, probably even until Q2 tomorrow, but it does seem, just watching how the Red Bull is starting to dial in that performance, even though Sergio Perez, I've seen some criticism for him, he came in seventh in the end, but I don't think he had a clean lap. I think it, I think he did just one run on the softs as well, so don't, I wouldn't read too much into Perez being seventh. What's your impression from watching the Red Bull in action today? Is it the f- clear favourite or or joint favourite with Ferrari? I think it goes back to what Mattia Bonotto said when he spoke to um, Italian journalists this week as a bit of a bit of a preview. So our colleague Roberto Kinkero was, was part of that call, and it was the first signs of optimism we had from Ferrari that they've been playing things very close to their chest. Um, you know didn't like the favourites tag so they don't know where everyone stacks but it was it was the first glimmer of what Thoreau was thinking and it was he, he basically said we're competitive but we don't know if we're two temps ahead of Red Bull or two temps behind Red Bull and I think every everything we've seen this weekend so far points to that being the margin but we don't quite know who's ahead and I don't think we will know until qualifying when you've um, got the engine fully wound up you've got the tyres into the right window and also you've you've made your pick on setup because this whole porpoising issue and running the car as low as you need to go for maximum performance versus the the downside of porpoising and the driver being uncomfortable and how far you wish to push it all of that could swing so I'm still intrigued as to who's going to be on pole position tomorrow but I just still see still see that Ferrari just any conditions any time of day it's right up there near the near the top end of the timesheets so I just wonder if it's a more consistent car. Because if the Red Bull was dominant, Sergio Perez would have a much easier time lifting himself up and being being much nearer the front. And I think we know how strong Max can be. But I just you just see those Ferraris are just consistently there. Um, so I just sense that, you know, may, maybe, maybe Ferrari, you know, can do it. We had a story in the week about the Ferrari unit being more on par than it's ever been. And if you look at the top 10 today, at least, the two Ferraris... Alfa Romeo from Bottas and the two Haases as well are all in the top 10. It could be that they just wound the engines up a little bit more. Ferrari gave them permission to turn it up a little bit today. Or do you think there's been more equalisation with those engines now that we start to get locked into some homologation as well? So that would be a great bit of news for Ferrari if if they really are bringing a, a better power unit that is on par with, with the others. What you're seeing here this weekend, which you don't get in testing, is people setting lap times in similar conditions. It's semi-true in Barcelona that the day starts off cold, gets a bit warmer, then cools off. So, you know, there's a bit of a fluctuation in lap time. But the Bahrain test last week, the fluctuation was massive between the the daytime heat when the track's really hot, cars will be sliding around. It's not so good for the engines to get the air into them. When you get to the cooler conditions, you know, much better all round for the car. And then obviously when Haas had the even cooler conditions when they were running later than everybody else, 
even more ideal for the cars. But you get this huge fluctuation of the test. So, you know, what could theoretically be the quickest lap time done in the morning in the hotter conditions would never show up. You wouldn't you wouldn't be aware of that this lap time has been done because it wouldn't wouldn't show. So I think what we're seeing now is a more more genuine order. We had glimmers of the Haas being quick last week and I think it does look like a key three contender. I think the Alpines looked look, Alpines looked pretty strong today. Bottas was pretty comfortable when I spoke to him after the session. So I think we are I think we're just what we're just seeing now is a more genuine genuine pace. We still don't know how much more there is to be wound up and more to come. The true test still comes in qualifying because if you've got one tenth or two tenths in your pocket by that qualifying engine mode, that can make all the difference. And you know, all your analysis of testing doesn't matter if your Q3 engine mode is much better. Okay, well, hang on there. We will come back and cover off the rest of the field and some other little tidbits around this new shape of a Formula One weekend that John has witnessed, including the Cars Beauty Parade on a Friday morning. Stick around back in a moment. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, we've covered off Red Bull and Ferrari. Now, Mercedes, George Russell fourth, Lewis Hamilton ninth. Lewis was 1.2 seconds off the pace uh, today. But on TV, I know the TV coverage doesn't, isn't the same as you looking out of the, the press centre window, but the, the cameras did make it look like Mercedes were really still really suffering from the bouncing when they get up towards the end of the straights. Not just the bumps on the track, but this, this kind of oscillation. Is there a solution to this? I know that they bought a new floor here to this weekend. They've strengthened it as well. But is that the cause of their problems or is it running deeper than that? No, I think, it, I think it's all to do with porpoising problem. As we've seen, some teams have, have managed it better. And the, the, the key thing for performance at this stage is, is about unlocking the basic platform of your car. And that if you can run it as close to the ground as possible for maximum downforce without it then touching the ground or the aero stalling at the end of the straight then you're in an absolute brilliant position because you're not compromising your driver's comfort you're getting maximum performance so if you're able to do that and some teams have been able to switch on and switch off porpoising like Alpine have done it Ferrari are pretty much on top of it the Red Bulls seem quite comfortable uh, so those teams are quite good problem with Mercedes mm. is this porpoising has just been an ever-present thing they can't can't dial out well they can dial it out you can get rid of porpoise and you just lift the car up doesn't touch the ground it's all fine but you lose so much performance <laughs> so it's finding this it's been unable to find this effective balance of going where it needs to go and not lose lap time versus doing that and then having the porpoise in which then triggers more problems um Someone on the team I spoke to last week said it was kind of the it, it was a completely new approach to Formula One. Whereas for years and years and years now we've had you bring new parts to the car that deliver more downforce, that equals better lap times and more speed. Whereas they wow. found themselves in a situation now where they bring more downforce, like the the new side pods that came. It was a better aero package, but all, all that does is push the car even more into the ground, which then increases the porpoising problem. So there's no no longer this direct correlation between more downforce equals more speed. It needs to be dialed out through suspension settings, error settings, understanding the speed. And I think also McLaren have maybe been hurt a little... I keep saying McLaren, sorry. 
And I think Mercedes have also been hurt a little bit by um, the fact they had one of the most sophisticated suspension settings. So for years and years, years they've fine-tuned the, the ride of the car, um, understand the you know dynamics, mechanical dynamics, got their setups all sorted. So with all those complex systems having banned for this year, it's a bigger step for them and much harder for them to kind of understand and make that jump and work out what needs to be done to cure this porpoising. So so I think the Mercedes, I think when they do cure it and when they find that magic answer, which will be a, you know, multiple, there'll be multiple reasons for it. It's this ride height at this temperature, yeah. at this tyre pressure with these suspension settings and this front wing angle and this ride height at the front and the back and all this, you know, multiple things, they'll have the answer. Then I think they'll have a very, very, very quick racing car. But, they've got to find that that magical formula somewhere. So how long that takes them could be, you know, there could be a eureka moment. They could find that the answers are, you know, controlling one vortex under the floor and it stops the stall and it's all hunky-dory, but it could be four races, could be five races. We don't know yet. Can, Can we put something to bed though now with you on the podcast? You have been covering Formula One for longer than many people have been, you know, following it. So many people are just brushing off Mercedes performance that yeah 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 they always do this they're running their it's a d-rated engine lewis is an actor can we put this to bed mercedes are not a favorite for this weekend when we say mercedes are in trouble we're not on about mercedes ending up 19th and 20th on the grid and it being a complete disaster because they've set the benchmark so high they've been this dominant team for years and years in formula one the eight consecutive constructors championships seven titles you know not fighting for P1 for them is a is a step down and I think at worst it'll be the third quickest car and I'm sure George and Lewis can extract speed from it there's still single lap speed from this car I still think they'll be in that mix with Red Bull and Ferrari you know somewhere in there you can sense you know Lewis always has this ability on Saturdays to extract something special and we know how quick George as well is on a on a Saturday so I can see them splitting one of the Red Bulls at least and maybe potentially one of the Ferraris Carlos Sainz says he's not quite driving the Ferrari yet in in the way that it needs like Charles has adapted to it they'll be in the mix this isn't a case of Mercedes have got no chance of being in that fight and the best they can hope for is fifth and sixth this weekend I think they can do there but I would be very very surprised if we get Mercedes 1-2 in qualifying and the pair of them roar off into the the lead and it's an easy one too. I don't think we're going to get that. They're just not that good at acting. Uh, we had uh, uh, who haven't we covered off? Oh, Alp- Alpina next. Uh, Alonso was um, fifth, and Ocon was twelfth. Bottas was in the top ten for Alfa Romeo today, which is great because he's had a torrid testing, a torrid morning as well. But it all started to come together a little bit in FP two, and Joe uh, Guanyu down in fifteenth for Alfa Romeo, but I do want to talk about the Hasses because, again, I want to try and get your steer on how much and how genuine that Hass pace is. Talking about how good that some of the drivers are acting, but Mick Schumacher was beaming in the interviews in the pen after today. He was 8th, Magnussen was 10th. The pace looked pretty solid. How are you feeling about Haas? I mean, uh, they were the backmarkers last year. They they were the team that everybody wrote off. And if they were at the back again this year, nobody would be surprised. But they're genuinely heading up the midfield. Yeah, I think it's. I think that pace is genuine. I spoke to Kevin Magnussen. I didn't do the Mick Schumacher session tonight because something else was clashed. I was finishing off some other work. But I w- went down to speak to Kevin. Beaming. 
I mean, I said to him, how <laughs> how surprised is he how his life has not only changed in two weeks that he's in Formula One, but he's got a car underneath him that's so good, apparently. And he said, I can't believe it. He says, I am just so excited. It's sensational. So I think that the pace is there. And that Kevin actually said it, it wasn't the single lap pace that was so strong in that car. He says the car just seems so consistent over long runs that its long run potential seems great. Let's not forget Haas in its first years was, was very, very competitive. Mm. You know, finishing, they were getting fifths and sixths and Q3 contenders and looking good. So it's not as if the team has been nowhere for years and years and years and then they suddenly found something to unlock it, something drastically new. I think last year was an outlier because they didn't develop the car. They had two rookies. The focus was on this year. So you can understand the steps. And sure, I think the better Haas does, it's going to trigger a bit of a political battle off track about the role of partner teams and the relationship between Ferrari and Haas and what information is sharing, even informally between, you know, the different aero crews and, you know, when they meet for a coffee, Mm. bump into each other in Marinello, you know, is there a, even an informal chat saying, oh, we looked at this floor solution and it was rubbish. So don't waste your time doing that. All, you know, it's not necessarily an exchange of IP, but is that a conversation that is or is not taking place? Is it a conversation that should be legislated by the rules? Is there a benefit that ha- extra benefit has has from being so close to Ferrari? Does Ferrari benefit from having Haas so close to it? There's a lot of questions I think will be prompted if Haas go forward. But I don't think the team will care at all about that. They've been they had this whole debate when they came in and were doing these results before. And I think offer Gunter Steiner, you know, some off track politics to deal with and a car that's finishing in the top five, top six, top seven, regularly scoring points, or being ignored and fighting at the back like last year and having a torrid time. He'll take the politics and the trouble any day. Politics in Formula One, never, never. And the more that McLaren, like today, they suffered again, you know, if they get knocked out in Q2, teams like Alpine getting knocked out in Q2, that pressure will get, you know, ramped up. Hey, a quick, just a quick line on McLaren. They didn't perform well today. Is it still the brake cooling issues that we've heard so much about or is there something else at play? Uh, it wasn't the brake so much today. They've made some progress. I still think it's a work, it's a work in progress. I yep. don't think they've got the final, final answer. Um to what they need on that front. But I think today, I think they just, they've paid the price for lack of proper testing last week. So you had to run a different programme today. So more focus on long runs and understanding tyres, which they didn't get to do last week. Yep. So I think they've partly played that. But the car's not been compliant. I think both drivers were saying lack of grip. And I think when you get lack of grip with these cars, because it's a hugely inherent understeer characteristic, um, very heavy cars, you start locking up the fronts, you then lose confidence you make mistakes, the tyres go off. So I think it's just a, a culmination of mm. things, but it just looks looks to be a very, very difficult weekend for McLaren. And I think they'll just hope that maybe there's something in this track characteristic or the heat that just doesn't suit that car. And I think what we one thing that a few teams have said is they expect the form book to fluctuate an awful lot this year, depending on track characteristics, that some cars are going to be much better on certain types of tracks and may be very uncompetitive on other types of tracks. So I think whatever whatever we see this weekend, um, whether it's Ferrari or Red Bull or Mercedes that comes out on top, doesn't guarantee they'll be on top next weekend in Saudi. And I think it's true for the midfield that a team like Williams that looked very, very strong in testing in Barcelona on a high-speed track doesn't appear as comfortable on these slow-speed corners of Bahrain. And it could be true of McLaren as well, that maybe it's more comfortable on the higher-speed turns, not so comfortable in the slow-speed, which is actually a characteristic We've seen in McLaren cars in recent years. Mm. So maybe these, the new rules just exacerbate 
characteristics and, and the swings of performance. Oh, we're going to love it, turning up every weekend, just wondering what the order's going to be. Even from today, even from uh, session one to session two, How we haven't covered off Alpha Tower yet, and Pierre Gasly had a stunning, he was a star of FP1, but when the stars came out, pardon the uh, pardon the pun, just nowhere in FP2. And it's a, a little bit of two-by-twos, actually. It was a Gasly and Sonoda in 10th, uh, sorry, in 13th and 14th. The Aston Martins of Stroll and Hulkenberg were in 16th and 17th. Uh, only, I think, a 10th between them. But I think I'm right in saying that Stroll had a bit of a moment in turn 11, which would have put him a bit further ahead of Hulkenberg. But still, still amazing for Nico Hulkenberg to come back into a Formula One car. And people saying, oh, but oh, he's done a, some sim work and he's uh, it still counts. It really doesn't. I mean, there's nothing uh, to match getting behind the wheel. of the, And these brand new cars as well. So stunning from Nico Hulkenberg. Just absolutely brilliant. Um, and the two Williams, Latifi and Albon, 19th and 20th. Bit of a worry, I would say, for Williams. You just mentioned that, you know, strong in Barcelona. But then at this stage of the season, they don't want to be cut adrift so early. What's your thoughts on the Williams? I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think they knew coming into this weekend after, after the experience of Bahrain last week that they were going to struggle. That car's not as good on the slow speed slow sl- like mm. medium to slow speed corners and slow speed corners it's nowhere near as comfortable there as it is on the higher speed corners like it was in Barcelona um, and I think they've also realised they've paid quite a heavy price for not having done that postseason tyre test last year so oh, lost really? a lot of data and understanding of what these tyre characteristics are um, so they've been playing catch up on that front so I think just lots of factors of come together so I think even if they qualify at the back this weekend and appear to be the slowest car I don't think you can say well that's it it's another season written off for Williams I think it's characteristics it's catch up and I think we need to see it on a higher higher speed circuit to find out so I think Saudi is going to be especially fascinating because right. you know we go to a very different characteristic circuit in a week um, and I think we'll start understanding a bit more about trends and where people are stacking up final two questions for you because it's very late where you are um hopefully after what's happened michael massey is somewhere on a beach with a margarita in his hand uh, <laughs> trying to recover so we have a whole new team of uh, of uh, uh, not stewards but um uh, you know herbie blash is back and we have more of a, a kind of a decision by kind of group than than just one person in charge and we heard a lot today at least on the tv coverage uh, track limits are the white line the white lines are the track limits and yet there was nobody getting penalized today so can you explain, is that a thing? Oh, I, have, I haven't paid much attention to the track limits debate. Um, I, I noticed in the, in the race notes yesterday it was done that. So I, I, if, whatever I say in it would be just a pure guesswork. <laughs> okay, I fine. Could guess, I could guess that may, maybe it's related to deleting such times in practice doesn't really make much difference. So maybe it's, maybe it's mm. enforced more and matters more for okay. qualifying or we'll for the race. Because it did get ridiculous at times the number of yeah. times that things were deleted in in the past uh, so I'll, I'll need to do some more digging on that Christian. but I did hear tonight that um, driver's briefing with Niels Wittick the, the race director who's, who's running it this weekend um, actually laying down some quite strict guidelines with the drivers Ooh. and telling them um, you know it's up to you to respect what regulations are in place appearing to be a bit more not necessarily strict with them but just laying down a few markers and notes about them so it'd be interesting for me tomorrow to speak to some drivers to see what they think and a different approach because we've gone from Massey who seemed quite 
kind of open and relaxed and taking every weekend completely differently, mm. which is f- fine on that approach, but it makes it then very, very difficult for people to know where the limits are. So are we now going to enter an era of the way the FI runs it, where people know where the limits are, where the limits are then down to the drivers to be respected, um, and which may be something actually the drivers prefer. Okay, and final question. There's a new scrutineering on Friday mornings, almost like a beauty parade, where the teams have to put their cars out, tell a, tell you guys the new bits on them. Uh, Ross Braun uh, likened it to a show and tell. Happened for the first time. Is it any use to you as our our man in the pit and paddock to to then tell the rest of us what's happening? Or like, is this going to be any use? Will they carry on doing it? Is it just going through the motions for the teams? But then again, all the all the teams have had photographers for years photographing the other cars on track. So does this just do away with all that and say, here you go, this is what I've got. Crack on and take a photo. I think the idea is good. Today was a bit of a shambles, though, because... Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, part, partly because it was the first time it happened, so a lot of the teams didn't know what was going on or what they should do or shouldn't do or what was happening. It took place during a paddock club walkabout as well so you know really busy pit lane pit lane practice fans walking up and down chaotic and some teams weren't sure what they should do some of the cars were still in the garages and then you had the document that we received beforehand which the teams are supposed to notify of changes they made to their car some teams you know really good explanations Mercedes who we know are always you know brilliant with you know trying to inform the media um, trying to explain things offer a better understanding because if we understand things better then that gives us a chance to explain to the reader something better and then everyone's more informed. Yeah. So Mercedes are explaining what changes they've made, why they've made it, very useful. And they go down and they explained about the differences between Lewis's car and Russell's car that they ran in practice. So all great. And then you compare it to Red Bull, for example, that new front wing reasons for the change, gain performance. And then it was like <laughs> reasons for this new part to comply with the regulations. Like yes. no... Yes. No, complete um, you know keeping everything completely close doesn't care about any information none of information is going to get out from the get out to the media we don't want any of this communication out there car stayed in the garage all that sort of stuff wow. so the, I think some teams um, some teams you know teams take very very different approaches to it so a lot of them did offer some good explanations but I think it needs time to bed down a bit I think we need to get into the rhythm yeah. of what's changed from the last race and then we'll see how Saturday goes because Saturday they're forced to, the FI can force them to get people to speak to us. So it will then be fascinating to see who says what, who they put up, and if it's, you know, if they treat it as an opportunity to inform, you know, inform and increase knowledge. Because what they tell us, all the other teams know anyway. Yeah. They've probably, you know, tens of photographers taking photographs. They'll be downloading all the scans. They'll know everything that's going on up and down the pit lane. So why they why they have this charade of oh, we're trying to keep things secret. We don't want to explain anything. I don't know, but oh well, they have their reasons. Yeah. We'll wait and see. Uh, John, thank you so much. You can follow John. He is at NobleF1. Congratulations on hitting the big 100,000 followers recently. Well worth following what John has to say uh, on his travels. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you for the, uh, the rest of the weekend. And uh, thanks a lot, John. See you later. If you've got some time between now and the next bit of Formula One that you are going to be watching, check out the podcast we've made over the last few days, summing up the testing. Also looking at our Formula One 2022 preview with Karen Chandok. And of course, look out for our podcasts, as we always do, uh, bringing you our voices from our reporters, 
and our editors that we send to the tracks. Saturday's show is going to be with Luke and Alex, hopefully having a wander around somewhere, talking about what they've been witnessing. And on the Sunday show, we will be back, as always, with our latest recruits of the team, Matt Q, uh, Luke Smith. Jess is back on the podcast as well, and those guys will let you know how they saw the race on Sunday afternoon. Join you then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm coming to you live from an average Tuesday night. Mom, where's my homework folder? Go ask your dad. Yes, it's 6 p.m., I'm done with work, and already in full swing at home. That's because I'm an indie vet. Indie Vets has created a whole new way to practice that truly puts vets first. I've got a team that always has my back, and it's built around the perfect balance of what makes associate work super steady and relief work totally flexible. What's five times six? Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got math homework. Indie Vets, a whole new way to vet. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.